Welcome everyone to episode 64 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. I've got two special guests for you this week. I've got Jim Burkelight and Mary Valance, and they're both with Fire Velo. Now, Fire Velo is a bicycle club based out of L.A. They're a bunch of firefighters that um, usually go San Francisco to L.A. or uh, L.A. to San Diego and all over the place, even actually L.A. to New York next year. But while they're doing these bicycle rides, they're doing it in honor of our members that have succumbed to cancer, and they're also, when they go and stop at night, they're doing trainings as well and, and teaching everyone about cancer awareness and prevention and overall firefighter health. So I wanted to give them the platform to kind of share their story, uh, what they've done in the past, and what they plan on doing. So without further ado, let's bring in Jim and Mary. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the 25 Live. I've got two special guests with me today. I've got Jim Burkelight and Mary Valance, both with Fire Velo. So good uh, morning to you. Good afternoon to me, right? Or wait, I guess it did just turn afternoon for you guys, too, right? It did. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having us, Jim. Appreciate it. It's lunchtime there in California, and I'm already thinking about what we're going to do for dinner. Ah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, um, I've known you for a number of years. I first met you when I was part of the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to kind of go over the history of how Fire VO started and, and just kind of take it from there, if you don't mind. Well, um, I was working at LA County and I was assigned to Fire Station 129s, which is our North Training Center. And I was working with Mike DeBron, as you know, from the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. And he was a survivor of cancer and was just starting the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. And I kind of did some stuff, uh, you know, we all have issues with cancer through personal connections and people we've gone through. And I got involved with the team in training, which is Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And so as I was talking to bring this on with Mike, we said, well, why aren't we doing a cycling type thing with this? And then I developed a, a, the Fire Velo, which is a now a nonprofit, a 501c3. We've been in operation for about 10 years. And we do a lot of different things. We put on our own events, we participate in events. And we've raised about $500,000 in the last uh, 10 years for different organizations, our partner organizations. We're all a volunteer. Nobody takes any money. We pay all our uh, ways for the events, uh, but a lot of our events do generate money. Um, our biggest event is the San Francisco to LA. We do that every year. We've done that about 12 years. And we're presently in the planning stages of doing a LA to New York ride. And uh, we're going to take about 20 riders across the US for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And we're going to do that next summer. That's absolutely huge, but it's, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not just, you know, getting on a bike and riding to the cities. Every stop, or at least the majority of the stops that you go to, you, you have some training that's incorporated in that. Like, you, you make it a point to stop by different stations, different departments, and talk about firefighter cancer. Is that correct? We do that. With our San Francisco to LA ride, as we come down, we kind of have an educational program. We talk about cancer awareness. We have cancer survivors with us. A lot of our cyclists or cancer awareness are going through that process as we speak. Um, and so we have a personal level that they host a dinner for us, these fire departments, and we discuss different issues with the fire service. And one people, most people don't understand in the fire service, we're, we're changing our cultural aspects to really mitigate the risk to cancers. And one organization's doing that is the San Francisco Professional Firefighters Association or Firefighter uh, Cancer Foundation. 
and they're changing their whole attitude, their very traditional department, and they're changing the way that they operate to minimize that risk, particularly with their female firefighters. Nice. I've seen just from afar all the different things that they're doing, which is absolutely amazing. It is. Um, Mary. One, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jim. No, I was just going to say they have one of the largest populations of female firefighters there. They're about 16%. And most of their firefighters is not, if they're going to get cancer, it's when. Uh, even the new chief has gone through cancer treatments. Um, she's new on board, only been there about a year. Um, so it's it's just a, a real uh, issue with, with fire service up there uh, in San Francisco. Absolutely. And it's, it is, you're right. It's a different perspective. Um, just the majority of having 60% of women on a, on a fire department, that is, you know, I don't know if I have 16 women on my entire department. Yeah, I don't 16, think I do. It's a big number. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's huge. Um, Mary, how, you know, I, actually, if you don't mind, Mary, how about giving me a background of, you know, who you are, what you did, and then how sure. do you end up getting involved with exactly. Jim? As, as a nurse, um, I was fortunate to be hired by LA County Fire Department after um, working in the emergency setting um, and was hired in as a nurse educator for paramedics and training them in the field along with about 10 others. And it was the first time that they brought nurses into the actual department and we got to run around and, and, and have all the fun on the squads and, and the engines. And, um, but during that process and, and working in that role, I noticed that my firefighters were getting sick and uh, not just cancer, but with respiratory illnesses and, and certainly the number one leading cause of on-duty death, which is sudden cardiac events. And I uh, started really turning my background and research, my attention to the study of firefighters and their illnesses and injuries and causes of death. And um, that was, it's been 17 years working for this wonderful agency. I just recently retired and uh, through a friend uh, got connected with Jim and heard about his organization and the wonderful work they have been doing. And he asked me if I would be interested in being part of the educational component and, and kind of coordinating the information that's out there. Uh, Cause there's some really great, great information in cancer um, awareness and, and prevention strategies and things like that, that uh, if people just know where to go to get their hands on it, then you know, that's, that's half the battle. Yeah, that's huge. And you've kind of, so Jim had been already kind of going through his, his speech, his, his cancer stuff. I mean, that's been his routine and you're able to come in and expound on that and then kind of do a, just a whole entire wellness aspect as well. Is that right? My focus in the past has been really, truly on, um, injuries and illness, not really the wellness aspect. That's what it was talking to Jim about it. Uh, earlier, but uh, you know, I can be uh, refocused and, and looking into uh, the area of cancer. It's been a while since I've, I've, I've been a part of that world because I was so focused on reactive airway disease. And we had a lot of firefighters that unfortunately were um, having strokes uh, as well as sudden cardiac arrest uh, scenarios where we've learned a lot about that and, and uh, no more. Um, you know, prevention of heat injuries and things like that. But cancer uh, awareness and cancer uh, research is so 
already just done so well, the work that's out there that uh, Jim, you know, bringing me on board to be able to pull that together and have it in a location and then be able to take it out and educate the educators uh, to uh, get some different strategies going because our department is, is actually, I just saw a video tape uh, maybe an hour ago that our department put out on uh, on scene decon. I was surprised. Jim, did you know about that? Lake <laughs> uh -huh. County has a brand new video on on scene decon, which I'm very proud of them for finally getting to that point. That's huge. That's a good deal. It, sh it should be a lot easier out there. The fact that it's always warm. It's not like <laughs> it's not like dealing with Ohio weather. Well, but, but it also creates other problems. We do. Uh, risk ourselves with hydration problems and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things when you, we look at the word wellness as just incorporating a lot of things with firefighters and fire services going through these days. Uh, anything from PTSD issues, and, and I know Mary's been involved with that a little bit, um, uh, hydration, simple hydration things, uh, long-term effects, all those sort of things that we've been going through. We're, we're not an organization, we're, we're just gonna be an avenue. We're not an organization that's going to spearhead any of that, but everybody's contacting us of where can I get this and where can I do that? And just bringing Mary on board, and this year has been a difficult year with the whole COVID thing. We've had to cancel events and stuff like that. But long-term wise, we want to just create an avenue where if we get contacted, we can feed them out to different organizations what they're doing. And we have to look at financial. You know, what LA County does is going to be a whole lot different than a volunteer system in Ohio. Um, or Oregon, you know, we met these groups. We had a, a group of fire come down from Seattle to LA on a bike ride. And we got into Oregon we were staying at the uh, volunteer fire department. And we get talking to the chief, his entire budget for the year is $16,000. You know, you can't expect the, an organization like that to, to double turnout everybody in their organization, you know, and, and spend $100,000. So we have to look at all these avenues of what a department can do and cost factors and, and point them in those directions to, to work for that department. You know, every department is so uniquely based and you have to look at what works for them. And I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there's so many different things uh, that you have to consider when it comes to something like firefighter cancer. Um, and it's just, you know, if you do get diagnosed, a lot of times we're never really sure what it is that cause our diagnosis because there's so many different factors and because of that you just have to do everything you possibly can but it's absolutely going to be more difficult if the department doesn't have the type of resources well especially with some of these yeah some of these departments also are based in such tradition change is difficult and we're finding that a lot i got talking to a, an organization back east a large department and you know they just got hoods and they still didn't like them they didn't want hoods yeah. You know, uh, stuff like that. And the West Coast, we're safety driven, we're liability driven. Everything we do on the West Coast, you know, if you say it's a safety issue, it has to be addressed. But that's not what's out there. Uh, I talked to, I was at FDIC a couple of years ago talking to a group, actually, they were teaching at FDIC and they were asking about wildland stuff. And he says they did it in t shirts and bunker boots. I said, well, how do you meet NFPA standard? So we don't do NFPA standard. And it's like on the West Coast, boy, there's standards and we adhere to them. East Coast doesn't do that. A lot of these departments, 80% of America is still volunteer departments. They don't have the funding and the background to do this stuff. And if they can contact us and say, hey, 
what can we do? We don't have the money. Hey, you know, this department's doing this and it's deconning, or they're changing the way they overhaul, they do salvage or do investigation. A lot of departments are looking at changing those avenues to protect firefighters. Now, the ultimate goal is 30 in and 30 out. You work for 30 years, you retire for 30 years. That's the ultimate goal in the fire service. That's what we joke about. But when someone uh, ends up passing away on duty from cancers or other health related problems, or five years after retirement, that's not getting your money's worth. And that's what we want to teach these guys. Now, let me ask you this, going kind of department to department during your rides, are you able to, in your, in your own way, kind of become educated on how they function? And, you know, some department is, for example, doing decon or they have two sets of gear or they have, uh, you know, individual bunk rooms with lights that only go off for their apparatus. I mean, you know, stuff like that to where you're now able to, in a way, take what they're doing and, and move it on to the next station you, you visit on your route. Is that, I mean, has that ever happened to you along your, your traveling? Yeah, absolutely. What we look at is what people are doing, you know, uh, this department's doing different than that department. Now, everybody we deal with predominantly is a full-time paid professional fire department. So it's a little different than what you'll see in the East Coast, or if we do a multi-state ride, you're going to a lot of volunteer departments and those attitudes and things are different, but it's the cultural changes I'm impressed by. And you look at San Francisco department, who's very traditional department, and they're making these huge cultural changes, which is hard you know, to get guys to wear BAs. When I started the fire service, and I'm gonna date myself as 35 plus years ago, half the department smoked. Well, I don't know how you are on the East Coast, but in the West Coast, almost all departments have a no smoking clause for new hires. You know, it's just attitude. You sit and watch television and half the guys are smoking, the smoke levels, you know, three feet off the ground. So those are the changes I think are well due. When I first started, you know, if you exercise, you're kind of wasting time. And now they have mandatory physical fitness, two sets of turnouts, the way we uh, view salvage and overhaul, the way we do investigations that we let things off gas, we stay out of that environment, we wear our BAs longer, we don't get off an engine unless we have a BA on. Those are the changes that everybody can implement and are a real big cost factor. Perfect. And we did simple on-scene rehab as well. That was one of the things that I uh, was very fortunate to be a part of and uh, making sure that our firefighters, and it was easier on structure fires obviously than the wildland setting, but uh, we would have cooling stations set up inexpensive, nothing you know that was that costly. Make sure that they're hydrated, make sure that they're just tuned up and ready to go back into the firefight fully recovered. And uh, at first there was pushback 10 years ago, uh, maybe it's been longer um, when we first started implementing that. But uh, pretty soon the guys started realizing how great it felt to, to uh, Get that energy back and and go back into the firefight a little bit safer and uh, have a full set of vital signs taken to boot um yeah not an easy thing to do for every department but there's a lot of uh simplistic ideas out there that really do work in making sure that we keep our firefighters as safe as possible uh during the fire events now mary was there anything else that you kind of noticed you know during your tenure there uh that just where the health and safety of firefighters evolved like right before your eyes during your tenure there? Yes, it was amazing. Um, 
The wildland urban interface, I was Malibu Mary. That's where I was assigned to was division seven. And uh, so I was really interested in the phenomenon of the fact that my firefighters are out there in this soup of you know, brush and structures and you know, uh, cars burning and no ability to wear any type of breathing apparatus for long periods of time. I mean, I'm a nurse. I don't know these things until I saw a video uh, finally shown to me. And what are the answers? What are the solutions? That's, I started attending conferences and, and giving um, talks. And one of the things that I saw change before my very eyes was just by presenting what was present during overhaul the simple smoldering phase of the fire where everybody's got all their gear off and they're trying to cool down and still work. Once we really started pushing that information out on how important it was to continue to protect yourself when you could wear a BA, uh, especially during overhaul, um, they started doing it. It, I, it was, it was uh, some pushback, yes, but uh, no, I mean, it, no one really was aware that sometimes even just, I actually had a firefighter tell me, well, that's just wood smoke. Wood smoke is safe. No, it's not. It's full of formaldehyde. It's full of benzene. It's full of particulate matter. It's not safe. And um, it's not a perfect world out there to try to create change and, 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 and still get the job done. But uh, yeah, that was one of the biggest things, it really was. You know, San Francisco did a big study on some of the uh, large wildfires last year, and they did blood uh, work on all these firefighters coming out. And that study should be available to everybody pretty soon and see the toxins that are out there on what we call a wildland interface fire. Um, I was in San Diego a few years back in a large incident, and we were protecting a camp area. We were there for almost a week, limited up, taking care of it. And we had to remove all the batteries out of the CO2 detectors in all the cabins because they were going off the whole week and you're in that environment for over a week and we, we know what CO2 does to our systems. You know, uh, it, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard on you, but that's what we do. And that was that mentality we have to get away from. And, and I, I think we're slowly doing that. Uh, these younger guys are getting it. It's not that class A personality of just, you know, go, go to the wall with it and, and whatever it takes. We're, we're learning it's, there's, there's more to it. We are more important than a lot of things we're putting out. Absolutely. And the turnouts and bagging them up and not having them in the cab and going back and showering right away. And, and, and you know, there's just uh, so many very simple things that can be done. Uh, I remember LA City inviting me to come speak and, and they were still storing their turnouts right there in the center of the app floor and um, in one of the stations where I was uh, uh, invited over to. And, and, uh, yeah, you, you don't know what you're exposing yourself to unnecessarily. And, and when you do, I, I see that firefighters are very proactive in making that change. It's just increasing the awareness is step one. And um, I know a lot of great people are out there doing that like you uh, in, in programs like this, Jim. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, and you guys touched on the wildland, you know, <laughs> I always complain about the winter here and the snow and ice, but I'll take that over <laughs> the wildland stuff. It's no, no thanks. And I think everybody here in the Midwest would say the same East coast. That's all you guys can have that. We'll do a far tornadoes and snow. Yeah. I don't like the wildlands. I don't mind the wildlands. I've actually, I kind of enjoyed it, but I did overhead positions and stuff like that. 
just don't hand me a shovel and, and tell me to dig a trail. That's the hard part, okay? That's a young man's sport, okay? That's, that's not for me. Structure protection, those sort of things I can live with, but that uh, other stuff's a little brutal on me. Nice. Well, let me ask you this, Jim, uh, going back to kind of your rides, typical traditional San Francisco to LA ride. Um, what is that looking like as far as logistics go? Like if, if somebody were to be interested and want to join fire velo and, uh, partake, I mean, kind of tell them what they're in for if they were doing that ride, that is kind of what you're known for. Well, it's a progressive. There's a couple of things about cycling people understand. Most of our cyclists are all older guys. Uh, I think our oldest cyclist is now 72, and he's planning on going across the U.S. with us. Um, it's a sport where you people can't run, they can't do things anymore, but you can get on a bike because it's not impactful. The second thing about cycling, it, it's a real social sport. It's one of those few things you go out there and you ride with somebody for four, five, six hours, and you talk. You don't do that playing baseball. You don't do that playing basketball or going for a jog, but you do it on a bicycle. Uh, preparing for it, we've done this ride now for I think about 12 years. I've ridden the coast for almost 40 years. I've ridden from Canada to Mexico. I uh, used to do a one week non-supported trip down. I, I in college rode from Seattle to LA. Um, so I know the coast really well and it progresses really well. Um, we start out with just a 40 mile day. We have a lot of hoopla the first day. We do on this event uh, put five names on the sleeves of our jersey and those are firefighters who died of cancer and we dedicate uh, we frame one of those jerseys and dedicate the right to them and we give it to the family and the departments on the way down that's part of one of the things we do um, but the ride slowly progresses I've had uh, an individual who was 70 years old never really been on a bike and I got him up and running in about four months he did the whole thing with us so it's it, he's athletic he knows what it takes to push himself um, you know uh, and we can do that I've had people just buy a bike and want to get into it and do it. We have a guy that's only been riding a couple of years. He's going to go across uh, the country with us. Uh, a couple of things about cycling too, or our group, we have certain rules. And, and one rule is it's safety. Any event we put on, we've been very fortunate with all these years we've been riding and I've been riding. Uh, we had one person fall and break a thumb in 12 years of San Francisco, LA. And that's pretty unheard of when you take large groups on, on a tour. It's just a numbers game. Second thing is, in our group, your family always comes first. I have writers that say, you know, oh, I got this kid thing going on or family thing. Your family is first before any of our organizations, anything we do. And we say that because the fire service took years away from our families. And I don't think our organization should do that. Uh, it, it's really big. The second thing is there's no rank. Um, if you need your rank, you need your ego with us, don't be there. We have a lot of big players who are chiefs of large departments and second command, first command within our organization. You just come as a first name basis. Your rank doesn't mean anything to us. If you want rank, the standard joke is don't shower. That's the way we view it. And the second thing is it's gotta be fun. If it's not a fun event that you have a good time, you enjoy yourselves, people don't wanna do it. And that's what one thing we take pride in our organization. Everybody who's been involved in our organization from the start is still with us because we must be doing something right. They must be having fun. And that's what it's about. If you don't have fun, don't be there. And it's kind of old school fire service where we take care of each other, we laugh, we kid, we make fun of each other and we enjoy it. But everybody there is for one another. And I, I think that's leaving some of the fire service in these large paid departments. That, that camaraderie, that brotherhood, we're trying to bring that a little bit back into our organization. And so far it's been working real well. Well, because a lot of times these younger kids are just looking at their phones. <laughs> They're all sitting at the kitchen table. I, I see it every day at work and 
you know i don't know if they're texting each other or what but you know you're not going to be able to do that very much when you're riding down a highway right exactly but no no this is a great event i've I put it on for 12 years i i can put this event on i can get it together in two days it takes a little while to get the jerseys and all that thing uh, stuff made but for the most part i've done this often enough i know all the hotels i know what i need rooms i know what i need logistics and what we do for su support staff but uh you know i've just been doing it for a long time now going across america on a nearly 50-day bike ride that's going to be a little different so that one uh we're, we're, we're dealing with it a little differently we're breaking it down into smaller uh groups so how how long does it take from san francisco to la how many we days we do it in a week. We leave on a Sunday okay. and we finish the following Saturday. And then uh, how long do you think it's going to take? And I, and I think you've, you've done this right before going from uh, going to New York, right? I haven't done it myself. Uh, I know a couple of guys who are going to do it this year, did the 10th anniversary, and we're going to follow kind of the same route. Um, so I haven't done it. I, I Actually, I'm not going to do this whole event myself because I can't be away that long from my family. So I'm going to try and pick up a week here and a week there type thing and fly in for it and hopefully be at the finish. Nice. How long is that start to finish estimated to take? Well, almost 50 days, probably about 40 to 45 days of riding and then a couple of rest days in between. So uh, that's, that's what we're looking at. Now, nice. on the other side, we've had what's called a Ram team. We've had two of those. and That's called the Race Across America. And we did it in a four-man relay team. And uh, we go across the U.S. in nine days. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, Mary, have you rode with them at all? You plan on riding with them? Jim was going to laugh on this one. Um, uh, go ahead, Jim. You can answer no, that. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> is the, um, go ahead, Jim. Laugh, okay. <laughs> I grew up in Georgia and we didn't have bikes. And I know that's the craziest answer. But um, yeah, uh, I'll be riding in the vehicle. <laughs> you're okay. Well, <laughs> you're su the support, right? That's right. You got all the all the uh, the tires and everything else that you need. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, we're really trying to hope uh, to rope Mary in for our LA to New York ride for at least the first few weeks. Our biggest concern is about the first two weeks of the ride, because if it's a, a summer like we have this year, we leave July twenty fourth. And this year we would have gone across the desert at about 124 degrees. So we're really concerned about the wellness of our riders uh, uh, doing this and having somebody with Mary's capabilities and knowledge and skill is, is pretty important to us. So we're, that, that's our biggest concern is the first two weeks of that event. So all you listeners out there, if you're willing to help, <laughs> we'll, we'll have Jim's info after all this stuff and you can reach out to him and, and kind of try to schedule something for next year. Yeah. Well, the other thing we're doing is we're opening up fire villa groups. You can be your own fire villa group. We have one now in Seattle where they call the Northwest chapter. And we have a chapter in San Francisco and the Southern California chapter. So if, if you have a group out there who wants to start their own fire villa, they have to adhere to our bylaws. No one gets a paid salary. Um, and we will set them up with everything they need to do to uh, start their own group. And uh, we'll put them on our national website and we hope to put all these uh, organizations together and someday be like a team in training where we have 30 or 40 different fire velo groups across the U.S. putting on different events for different uh, reasons. That's pretty cool. That's huge. Yeah. Fire velo going national. We're working on it. I like it. I like it. Um, 
don't know. Anything else you guys want to add about what you have coming up? I know this, this year have obviously been difficult, but you probably had lots of time to kind of figure out if you want to do something new or, you know, get out there when things normalize again. Yeah, we, we just did a LA to San Diego ride a two day event just because everybody wanted to get out of the house. We haven't seen each other in a long time. So we did that one. Um, we're still tentative. We had to cancel the San Francisco to LA ride this year. Uh, we were planning on putting it together for next year, but that's right in the middle of our San Francisco to LA ride or our LA to New York ride. So we're, we're weighing that out and hopefully uh, some of the local events will come up and, and we get together and do those. We do the Tour of Palm Springs, the Patriot ride, we do America's Most Beautiful Bike Ride in Tahoe, which we go up there and spend the weekend uh, as a group and have a blast and those sort of things. So that's hopefully when things start opening up, we'll be able to do that also. Nice. Well, I get a constant reminder of you guys every time I go to my favorite barbecue place. I've got uh, John Price, one of John Price's jerseys up at oh, Company nice. 7 in Inglewood. Nice. And I know, obviously, Tom Nurl and Steve Wood is real with you as well. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, John Price is the older gentleman I said that always wanted to do San Francisco to LA. And uh, I roped him in. I think John was right about 70 years old. And I said, I'll make it happen. I loaned he was, him my bike. He was, <laughs> he was 70 years old 20 years ago. <laughs> He's the man that never ages. But uh, yeah, he wanted to do that event. That's the individual I was talking about. And I had a bike here at Fit him. I loaned him my bike and uh, we flew on up there and uh, I, I got him training a little bit. And he did the whole event with us. Had a blast with John nice he's yeah. always been a stud yeah absolutely he's one of those guys like i said he's always been very healthy and athletic and that helps a lot nice that's awesome good deal and forgive me did you get into um the money that y'all raised and and who you've contributed um funds to to support um in the past yeah it, it, it on that and i just didn't hear you <laughs> Yeah, basically what we do is, is these events we put on, we don't look as an organization to, to make money. We, we don't put on an event to make money. We look at it as an awareness opportunity that people come to the event with us and see what we're doing and, and disseminate information. But our events do make money. And um, we give that away to our partner organizations. And sometimes even if we find a new 501c3 that we like what they're doing and we look at their 990 forms to make sure they're financials are what we believe in, we give money away. Uh, we've given a lot to the San Francisco group. We've done to the Firefighter Can't Support Network. We've done things like uh, when the Firefighter Can't Support Network was doing galas, we bought two tables and we gave those tables away to individuals going through cancer and we invite their families. We did that to the San Francisco uh, gala that they recently had. And uh, we had a group, we had an individual uh, in the uh, uh, Firefighter Cancer Support Network Gala several years ago. What was going on, he was stage four. Young guy, had two kids, and um, they didn't have a lot of money. And we wanted him to come. And it got to the point like, well, you can't really afford any money to come down here. Can't afford a hotel. Well, my group just pointed up and says, I don't care what it costs. We'll get him down here. We'll pay the money. But that's how we look at it. We give our, all our money away. We have very minimal operating expenses. We have liability insurance and a few other things and everything else uh, we give away. Perfect. Yeah, kind of a purist group but when it comes to the finances. We, we really want to give 99.9% you know, .9 away. We were, we're close to that, but uh, we, we believe in that and our partner organizations have to believe the same as us. 
That's awesome. No, it's absolutely great stuff. So I, I know I enjoyed working with you back when I was doing that stuff. Well, when you talk about organizations, it's really difficult when you start looking at some of these organizations and really how much goes to their cause is the struggle my group has. When you start looking at less than 10%, you know, they're raising millions of dollars and less than 10% goes to helping people or, or their own cause. That's a tough one to swallow for me. Uh -huh. uh, there, there's no reason for that. My point when certain people are making millions of dollars off these nonprofit organizations, that doesn't work with my group. No. No, it's good. Clearly, like you said, you've been doing something right. You have, you know, all the people that started with you a dozen years ago are all mostly there still. Yeah. And uh, you don't see that in a lot of organizations. I mean, I don't see that even on, you know, my union executive board. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, that's that's good. Whatever you're doing, you got to keep doing it. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate right? it. Right. Right. Now, let me ask you this. I'm going to do I'm going to do my little fun 25 questions. But I'm going to start off with a bonus question that's not on here that I can we can we uh, opt out if we have to. <laughs> no, I'll let I'll let you uh, I'll let you answer as a team. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I can, uh, let's put this way: I can just defer it to Mary if I'm uncomfortable with it. Right. There you go. <laughs> fine. No, no, none of these are supposed to be uncomfortable. Or anything. These are all fun. But I do. I want to ask a bonus question. Question number twenty-six to anybody that's usually out west I, I like to ask this and it's simply when was the last time you had an in and out burger oh me uh three days ago with my kids three days ago winner 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 what is mary have you you've you like in and out right of course absolutely <laughs> it's been a while it's been a couple of weeks all right what's your guys's order when you go there a number one grilled number one. Yeah. <laughs> nice all right. I'm jealous. It's been a long time. Now my daughter's been... a vegetarian, so she just gets the cheeseburger without the meat. Oh yeah, that's uh what is it, animal style or no no that they, they could just call it it's like a grilled cheese. So she should Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's called they got their own little secret menu. All right, I digress. I'm just I'm jealous more than anything, really. I mean, the closest one to me, I'd have to get go to Dallas. So maybe you need to come out here and join our ride, or, or at least see what we're doing and be part of our support group. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna take a picture of my bike after this and uh, see what's up to stuff. Club, we have a lot of I got. Cars to see what we're doing. It's like purple Club Fuji. You just, I'll, I'll send you the picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's purple. I don't, but I'm. Come on, look at me. I'm not. Not the point of where I care about what people think about my looks anyway. So hey, I had a rider who weighed almost 300 pounds, was six foot seven, I think. And uh, he lost 60 pounds and did the whole thing with us. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd like to do that. I like to get the band back together. All those guys, Steve, Tom, John. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. Absolutely. We'll talk. We'll talk after this. Um, all right. Now let's, let's officially start to 25. Okay. So Mary, I'm going to defer to you. Pick a number, if you don't mind. Number 10. Who's your favorite comedian? Who is my favorite comedian? Well, was my favorite comedian, um, uh, Robin Williams. Um, and then he, boy, I can segue right into firefighter PTSD on that one, but uh, <laughs> I'll just keep that the answer because, uh, yeah, he was genius, talented. Absolutely. Did you ever see him live? No, I would have loved to seen that. 
he was i saw him in columbus and he was all over the place like it was non-stop it was it was good oh i bet i'll bet what, what about you jim favorite comedian um i i definitely have a few on the list but i'm gonna regress a little bit uh i like george carlin a lot and uh, i was kind of a big uh, gallagher fan <laughs> it's great i saw them both at the same place yeah. not at the same time but that's cool yeah you know and george carlin just passed away not too long ago no nope. i was so close jim i gotta tell you i was there and this is this has got to be 15 16 17 years ago i'm at a gallagher show and he had hurt his back and he wasn't able to do the sledgematic. oh yeah and so he was looking for a volunteer and I'm, I'm like in a second row, I'm standing up and he looks at me and I think he's going to pick me and then he doesn't. And so I feel like I, I had a second where I was like, he thought, and then he, for whatever reason, chose not to, but I, for a second, I thought I was going to be up there swinging that hammer. Jim, I got to swing, I swung the hammer with, uh, with that guy. I was in New Orleans, um, the Super Bowl, and, um, got pulled up there and, and, and trust me, I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> am proud of it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun though. All my family saw me, Mary, we see you on television. What did you, what did you uh, crush with it? Watermelon? Watermelon. So you got that on your resume, I hope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna put it on there I, now. <laughs> I have all these questions to ask, but I feel like that should just be the end right there. Like, how are you gonna top that? <laughs> exactly i she she has an in and out burgers she's smashing stuff with gallagher come on <laughs> doesn't get on. any better does it all right jim i'll, I'll go ahead we'll, we'll we'll see if we can top that i don't know how but uh pick another number out if you don't mind sir i'll go number one what was your first job my first job were we talking uh, a real pay where i got a uh like you actually got a paycheck Got a paycheck. Nick Sarko, La Mirada gas station. Yeah. Attendee there. Well, we, we did have a self-serve island and a full-serve island, but uh, it was right next across from my high school. Uh, everybody came into our gas station to see what the action was, and uh, it, it was known to rock. But uh, yeah, right there in La Mirada. It's all gone now. For some reason, I'm picturing the Steve Martin and the jerk working at the gas station. <laughs> Similar, similar to that. I showed pictures uh, to my kids uh, because there was an advertising in our high school yearbook, and we all had hair down to our shoulders. We're all surf-looking guys, you know, and uh, uh, it, it was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, it was Nick Sarko was the first real-paying job. I think I it was a dollar thirty-something an hour, something like that, for my first paid job. Nice. Well, what about you, Mary? I was assistant dolphin trainer at Six Flags Over Georgia. Oh. With I cut that's a, a lot beginner of job? <laughs> How do you get that as a beginner job? It, that was a beginner job because trust me, it wasn't exciting. You had to get into the tank and scrub the tank and you had to chop the fish. Assistant dolphin trainer is different than an actual dolphin trainer. So, <laughs> But you were getting paid still to, to mingle with the dolphins, right? Yeah, and I got bit by a dolphin. Still have a scar. But uh, yeah, that was my first job. It was show operations at Six Flags. And uh, yeah, I also got to dress up like the little critters. We, we had the different costumes, characters. I did that part too, so. Jim, do you know, you know Forrest Gump? Sure. Right? Yeah. 
Mary is like the female version of that. <laughs> where, where where she does stuff like uh, the dolphins and smash watermelons. Smash is the only issue. I think she's very close to a forest just, gump, but she just she gets have to, it. She gets to do cool stuff. She's parts of cool stuff. Exactly. I have really had a, an interesting life, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Mary, last one. Pick a number. Oh, let's pick... Um, Lucky eight. What's your favorite book? My favorite book, Fried Green Tomatoes. I forgot who the author is, though. I figured uh, you knew the author or something like that. It's a Southern um, book. But that's probably not, I need time. I mean, there's lots of uh, things that I could, if I had my memory going, I could rattle them off. My father was an avid reader with tons of books on the shelf. Uh, so maybe that was just too quick because I just recently read it. <laughs> what, about, what about Jim? What about you? Uh, I, my, my, uh, everything's kind of changed. I, I do some history stuff reading and everything. Now, I don't can really say I used to really love Stephen King, especially his short stories, but um, I don't have a book I can put my finger on. My, my kids are avid readers. They're, they read more than me, but um, I've read some of their stuff I really enjoy. Some of the stuff I have to read before they do because some of it's adult content-based. I have to be careful. So, uh, yeah, my, my daughter, I was telling Mary, my daughter read, I think, 42 books since this COVID thing hit. Isn't that great? Machine. Both my son's the same way. He's reading wow. all my history stuff. How old are your kids, Jim? Uh, 16 and 18. Okay. Yeah, my son just graduated high school and is already starting for an ambulance company. <laughs> Jumping right into it. it. Well, my kids are a lot smarter than I am. My son's a 4.4, my daughter's a 4.0. Uh, he's going to graduate in college in, in less than a year. So I don't know where they got the smarts. It wasn't from me. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you, Jim and Mary, for your time. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners where they can actually find Father Velo online and also, you know, emails or any other way they can contact you. We're just Fire Velo, Fire Velo, V E L O dot com. And uh, we're pretty easy to find the website. I think we're one of the only fire department based cycling organizations out there. And uh, all my contact, personal contact information is there. So if you just uh, email us or I think my phone number is there, let me know. Yeah, I've been saying the name wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was an east coast thing you know tomatoes tomatoes oh, tomatoes tomatoes <laughs> uh, no it's a french uh, so now at the end it's a velo it's a low velo yeah, it's french yeah i'm ohioan i know wait, wait, we're not gonna hold, that against <laughs> hold it against me i deserve it all right no seriously uh Thank you for your time. For all my listeners out there, uh, don't forget to comment, like, and share. Um, get the word out there about uh, what Jim and Mary are doing. They've been doing awesome stuff for a while. And uh, that's really about it. So for, uh, for Jim, Mary, and myself, thank you. And uh, I guess we are out of time. So Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye.